Construction Group. The PSAs you hear on Miller and Condon and iHeartMedia Des Moines are presented in part by Nick Mick. We take care of our own. Now, here's Miller and Condon. Tuesday, welcome back. It's Miller and Condon, fourteen sixty KXNO one hundred six point three FM. Trent running solo with you here. The final hour of the program. Don't worry though. Don't turn that dial. Ken will be back tomorrow. But in the interim, a couple of great guests coming up this hour. We kick it off. John Bonencamp. We'll talk Big Four basketball with him. We'll also get into maybe the Dodgers a little bit. We'll see what else is percolating inside the mind of John Bowencamp. And then later on this hour, Matt Minasiri in our final conversation with Matt, our NFL draft guru, as he will join us here at about 1125. But let's bring him in. He is the self-proclaimed wise owl. He is John Bowencamp. What's up, John? Not much. How you doing? I'm doing well. Good to converse with you once again. Okay. And, well, we start here with Jordan Bohan and the decision for him to come back for the sixth year of eligibility, had been bandied about, had been talked about. In fact, him himself had talked about coming back as long as name, image, and likeness was passed inside the state. Ultimately, that didn't happen. Let's start right here. Where okay. this changed, is it as simple as C.J. Frederick's decision, this is the path that it went down after that? See, I, that's going to be, I think, one of the questions I think comes up today. We have a Zoom with him at 1 o'clock. I do think that played a lot into his decision to come back. I mean, I think that's, you know, I mean, when, when you're looking at that guard court for, for next year, I mean, it's basically, I mean, you basically have the same number of minutes as what you had this year if everybody came back. And I think he thought, okay, you know, I can take CJ's minutes. And, you know, that allows then minutes to be distributed among the younger guys that, that I mean, you want to keep, you want to keep them happy, you want to keep them you know, progressing in their careers. So I think that I think there were two things there. One, it opens up the two, the two spot for him, you know, so he can go play there and let, and let the other guys run the offense. And then I, I, again, I think the minutes were there. I think this was an opportunity for him and, and it's, and and let's face it, there's no pressure on him coming Mm -hmm. back. I mean, it's, it's, you know, you, this is his sixth year. He, He gets to play in front of fans. He gets to continue to have his voice in the name and image likeness thing. Um, he can go out and have fun with this and be a big part of this offense. So I think all of that stuff, I think, combined to lure him to come back. And, and again, I, I, I think it works out very well for Iowa after the loss of C.J. Yeah, I think you're right on on that one. It, you know, uh, we were talking, I think it was late last week, and I said, you know, the perfect pickup for them in the transfer portal would be with C.J. Frederick, because that's the kind of guy that they needed. So this role for Bohannon as a two-guard, defensively, I thought he was better over the last month. I know we all have mm-hmm. visions of Oregon and dunking all over the place and wide-open threes as they're playing horse against the Iowa defense, but there was more than that, and, and Bohannon showed at least a little bit more effort on that end. By metrics, he was a better defender than C.J. Frederick was last year. Maybe a little bit more, not doing as much offensively, could give him a little more to do on the defensive end. Right. How does this play out? Him as a two-guard, we'll leave the point guard conversation aside for a moment. Him as a two, how high of a level do you think this can work? I think it, I think it can work, and, I, and again, I, I don't think he... I, I don't think you project him as a 40-minute-a-night as a guy. Mm-hmm. And, and I think with their depth, 
he can play, he can give you 25, 27 quality minutes on both ends of the court. And again, I go back to that. There's not a lot of pressure on him. And, and, and again, there isn't in, in the way that this, that this backcourt is, is set up that he doesn't have to do everything like he had to do a couple of years ago. And, you know, he doesn't have to. So he can just kind of be who he is and let everybody else run the offense. And I think that the same goes on the defensive end. I think he's in a better spot defending at the two. I think he's. I, I think he did get better last year defensively. Um, and I do think that, you know, like, again, getting him back and getting him to fill that role is a big thing for this team, and I, I think he fits in well there. So the point guard spot. Mm-hmm. Joe Toussaint, we've seen him play now the last two years. He's inconsistent. I, I think that's an understatement. Right. There's times that, over the last two years, he's been unplayable. He's been that bad. We're handing over the keys to him or Aaron Euless. I still maintain, I think Tucson will be the guy to begin the year. But if right. I was making a bet, and you know I like to do that, I'd bet <laughs> that Euless will eventually become the starter next year. I know we haven't seen Euless out there a whole lot. I'm intrigued by his upside. And those inconsistencies for Tucson just make me very nervous. Oh, again, and, and again, I, I, I think this is going to be another situation where now he's going to be given a, a bigger opportunity now. And again, yeah, he did have a, a really good opportunity as a freshman. And in, in that, in once Jordan Bohannon went out in, in December of 2019, you know, he started every game, but at the end of the game, he wasn't in there. And I do think that if you give him is basically, I think if your friend McCaffrey, you say, look, okay, you're going to be our starter, but you've got to become consistent. You've got to be consistent on both ends of the court. You've got to become the playmaker that, that, we think you can be, but you also have another guy who can do that too. So, I mean, you may see a situation where they both play the same amount of minutes mm-hmm. and it's just a matter of who starts and who comes off the bench. And, and so, yeah, you're right. I mean, I do think he starts the season there, but they may look at it as, you know, he's always, he might be better coming off the bench. You never know. But the point is now you've got two, you've got two really good point guards on that roster that are young and, and still, you know, have some growing to do. So there's going to be some inconsistency there. And it, again, it, it is going to be who can be consistently good that's going to get the most playing time, I think. Talking with John Camp as we go inside Iowa basketball. We'll take a look around the Big Four also coming up here a little bit later in our conversation. John, from there, let's uh, bounce to Bohannon. Take a crack at it. How many minutes does he play at the point guard spot? I, I have this feeling that ultimately... It's a great idea in theory, but that's all this turns out to be. And by the time we, you know, there's a big exempt tournament. I was going out to New York City, you know, and playing an event out there at MSG. And oh, look at that. Jordan Bohannon actually played 20 of his 26 minutes at the point guard position. The mending offenses that had to be done, I'm sure the conversation that had to be done, still that has to linger. Is there doubt in your mind still that he doesn't revert and just become a point guard again? I. I don't think he will. I mean, and again, I, it goes back to there are there are good point guards there on this team, and you know, in, in the past couple of years, it was his job. So I think that's why I, I think he can be. And I go back to the, the, the you know the pressure being relieved on him is that he doesn't have to do that. Now there may be a situation you may be in the games where you need that consistent ball, experienced ball handler, and you know, so I mean you. What it does is it gives you more options at that position, I think. And so if down the stretch, he may be playing the point. You never know. And, again, Fran McCaffrey has, has never wavered on, 
on on certain guys that play at, at the end of the game. And it may be a situation at the end of the game, he's running the offense. You never know. And so, but but at least now you have more options and you can allow him to kind of roam off the ball and shoot and, and be an outside shooter that they need. So, I mean, yeah, I, I mean, I do think at some point you may see him play a lot there. And it may just be out of necessity, but the point is you know you can do it. So, because he's been around so long, you know what he can do. So, um, again, I think it's a, it's a safety, it's a security blanket for them, I think. The roster is intriguing. It's different. Mm-hmm. I, I know a lot of fans were excited without Bohannon to see a different type of backcourt, a better defensive backcourt. And it still can be that, certainly at the point guard spot with Ulysses and Toussaint. But my question looking through this roster, I'm excited about Keegan Murray. I think most everybody is. I, yeah. Seeing Chris out there, his brother, and seeing how that's going to, what Patrick did over the last month of the season. There's a lot of pieces to be excited about. And everything that I've heard, and I've talked to a lot of people about Philippe Rabracha, I've heard nothing but glowing things about him. Oh, he's. It, Wonderful player. Yeah, and you saw him play against Western Illinois. So mm-hmm. the roster is intriguing. There's one guy, though, that I just don't know how he fits, and that's Connor McCaffrey coming off double hip surgery. Right. Where does Connor fit in your mind with this group? I I think early on, I mean, again, and we saw this with Jordan Bohannon this year after he had had his two, and his two hip surgeries, and it took him a little while to get back in the game and, and get back into a rhythm in, in, a, in a weird year. This is going to be a normal season, as far as we can tell. The, the one difference is Connor had both of his surgeries this offseason, so we don't, know, we don't know what his progression is going to be. So he is really the question mark at this team. Um, you know, again, he may, become one of, he may be the steady guy down the stretch that, that plays a lot. I don't see him being I, – I, I think early on his minutes will be limited as they try to work him back in to game shape because, I mean, this, this is, it's going to take him a little while. I mean, he, I, if I remember right, I, I, I think he still has to have the second one. I, I don't know. Yep. Um, it, it's coming up. But, so, I mean, you've got there's, – there's a long-term rehab there, I think. And, you know, so you're talking – I mean, when you go back to Jordan Bohannon's first one – it took him into November, really, before he got really going again. So again, you don't have you can ease him back in. You don't have to throw him back out there right away now with Jordan Bohannon back. So you can take your time. Again, I think he's a fifteen or twenty minute a game a night guy. It's just going to depend on who's playing well. You know, I mean, we've seen guys play well one game, not play well the next, and their minutes show it. I think you're going to see that with him, even though he is an experienced player. I, I just think that's going to be there that, that some other guys may pass him a little bit. Starting lineup Tucson or Ulysses, make your pick. Bohannon, mm-hmm. Keegan. Mm-hmm. And then who are the final two? I, I think Rabrach is in there because I, I don't yeah. think he would have come here unless he, he knew he was going to start. Mm-hmm. Um, and and then after that, I think it just depends on matchups. And I, I mean, I, I think early on you may see some, you may see Patrick in there. Um, you may be a situation where you 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 move Keegan to the four and you play Tony Perkins at three. There's a lot of things you can do with this roster, and you know again, I I, I think it it can go any way. I mean, you know who knows who knows what kind of step Chris Murray takes this offseason. 
And, you know, I mean, he did he did play a little bit late in the season. But, I mean, again, he's had a year to learn now. What kind of step does he take in the summertime? So I think it'll be interesting to see how this goes this summer and see who kind of works their way into things. And uh, Dad Marie, uh, <laughs> Kenyon has been talking about, just play Chris at the two. How about that? A six nine two guard out there, and the link that Iowa can have going to look different, going to be fun. And are they done, or do you think they're still sniffing around the transfer portal at this point? I think they probably, I think they probably hold on to the one until they see what Joe Weeks camp does. Okay, and I mean, I don't think he's coming back. Mm-hmm. I don't, I don't see any reason. I mean, I, I think that that. That, I mean, I and you could kind of read that in his statement where he said he was graduating this summer. I just don't think he's back. I think they're going to wait on that decision, but at the same time, they may get a hint from him that hey, I'm not coming back. I'm just not going to announce it yet. Do they look for somebody? Absolutely. I mean, I think I think you, I think the world has changed now to the point, and and I think even Fran McCaffrey understands that that you keep an open mind. And again, that portal is going to get might fill up again in the summertime. Very easily, and there's still a lot of guys out there. So, I, I mean, I do think I don't know if necessarily they're done, but I mean, I, I think they they've got a lot of options if Joe Wieskamp doesn't come back. And I, I do think they look, and there may be somebody in there that they want to fill a spot, or they pocket it and wait and see what happens near the end of the summer. You know, who knows? And again, that's what you have to do. Everything's everything's on the table right now that wasn't on the table, you know, two or three years ago. IowaCollegeHoops.com. That's where you can go for the thoughts on Iowa basketball and the Big Four with John Boningkamp. All right, John, let's go to the other team from our state that made the NCAA tournament last year. That's the Drake Bulldogs. The departure of Yesifu, certainly a, a conversation piece, but Roman Penn's coming back this season. Uh, first, I want to get your perspective. I know you saw Ayo Akinwale, who is coming in, a grad transfer from Nebraska-Omaha. I've heard good things also about this youngster, too, mm-hmm. how he's going to fit in. Another guy that you saw in the Summit League, what can you tell us yep. there and how he fits into a Drake team, bringing back everybody seemingly outside of the departure we mentioned of yesterday. And that's the thing. I mean, you lose one guy and you pick up another, and that's what the portal is. I mean, I think he adds a lot to this team. Again, experience. You're, you're bringing in an experienced player that's played at that kind of level of basketball. So you – he does a lot of things that that I think make that make him a really good fit with the team. So in now now again, I mean I I was looking at Joe Lenardi's bracket today. He's got Drake and there's the Mike Qualify. I mean I think they're they're the favorite in the conference right now. I think with what Loyola lost and whatever else. Mm-hmm. So you add a piece like that, you got all, a lot of those guys coming back. This is a really good team, and um, I, I think now now you're going to play a normal Valley schedule. I think next year hopefully. Um, you know, so um, I, I think I think he has all the, pay, the pieces in place there, and I think yeah, the, the Yesufu departure hurt, but then you go find an, an experienced player. That's what this portal is going to do, and that's what and, and and they took advantage of it. If it's not Drake, it might be you and I. The preseason mm-hmm. pick, they were the preseason pick this year. AJ Green coming back, Trey Burhow contemplated maybe trying to go make some money basketball-wise. He decided to come back for another year, both born in Heisey, got good minutes in the backcourt in their freshman campaigns. We know inside Fife, Carter, another guy that uh, was looking around, decided to come back. So pieces are there, certainly for yep. you and I. I liked uh, some of the minutes from Marr, uh, the transfer that they got from, where did he come, George Mason, I think it was, mm-hmm. Antoine yeah. Kimmins, who went away for a while to help out family in Minneapolis. He's anticipated to be back. This UNI team's got a real chance of making a big step up this year. It seemingly all comes down, though, to A.J. Green. 
Yeah, if he's healthy, and, and I don't see any reason why he won't. I mean, he's going to have a lot of time to get ready for this. And, and I really appreciate the fact that he did come back. Mm-hmm. I mean, he could have very easily followed his dad to Iowa right. State. So um, I, I, I think that makes them, I mean, I, I, I do think that makes them a contender. And again, I would have loved to have seen how they would have ended up in St. Louis when it was all over with, yep. and, and it was and it was a shame what happened to them. And I think that's going to be, I think that's going to provide some motivation this summer. I mean, because you could kind of see at the end of the season that things were kind of getting into place for them. They were they were they were starting to play some good basketball, and and so I think with a lot of those guys back, and again, all those names you mentioned, those guys are going to be a year older, got a lot of experience last year. You're going to be playing a normal season, a normal schedule. I, I think that that they're going to be really good next year. And again, I think those those battles between those two teams are going to be a lot of fun because I mean there's there's a good rival. I think rivalry starting to build there, and it's a good thing. And and so yeah, I think they're right in that mix too of being a team that, that that's going to be top two or three in that league. Iowa State, the uh, turnover in the roster has been immense for TJ Otzelberger. The biggest one, no doubt, is getting four star. Uh, point guard Tyrese Hunter to stay with his commitment to Iowa State. Some of the transfers, I know we've seen a lot of Gabe Kalsher. He's all right. You know, some of the big guys they got, they're fine. Caleb Grill, all right, we can do funny puns like Williams does, fire up the grill. But (laughs) the one that still intrigues me the most, though, is Enaruna. And it's the Kansas pedigree. This is a guy that was a top 60 recruit nationally coming in. He's got length. I don't know what he's going to be, certainly on the offensive end, but at the very least, he can provide a defensive spark there. When you look at the roster turnover as a whole, and Iowa State going into next year, where are you at with Otzelberger in year one? Uh, you know, I, I think they'll be. I think they'll be, they might be better than what people think. Uh, to me, it, it's going to come down to the summer and, and how these guys fit together. And 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 when you bring in that many new pieces, and it's like you're and, and, and you got a new coach, you got a new staff. The summer is really important for a program like that. So, I mean, I, I think he's got talented guys. I, it just come, becomes a matter of, okay, where do they fit? on? Where do they fit on the floor? How do they work together? How do these guys get to know each other? And so you're going to have a, a normal summer that you didn't have last year in terms of, of getting ready. So it, I think it puts them maybe ahead of the game as, as if this would happen last year. So I, I do think that, that, that this is a group that, that – has a lot of talent. You just don't know how they fit together. You don't know what kind of chemistry they built. And I think for, for him, that's the biggest thing that he's got to do this summer is build a chemistry with his team and, and get these guys working together. And then that makes your fall a lot easier. But, you know, that, again, you never know. It's, it's, it's very unpredictable when you bring in that many new guys from that many different programs, guys that don't know each other, that sort of thing. That's his biggest test this summer is getting this team put together. John Bowencamp, he not only loves basketball, also he loves baseball. His Dodgers are falling apart. Two losses in a no, year. No, no, no. It's no. no, it's April. It's it's you know, as as I said, as I thought Sunday night, and I sent a message to a friend of mine. I said, one team knows it's an 162 game season. One team thinks it's only 19 games against the other team. So I'm not worried. Not yeah, they're not they're not hitting the ball, but again, Cody Ballinger's not in there. Yeah. You know, and so I mean there's 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 you know, and and, and so it's it's a hundred and sixty two game season. You're gonna have stretches like this. Um, you know, I yeah, there's some bullpen concerns, I think, but you know, once the minor leagues get going, once triple A gets going, you get some of those guys they have down there, the power arms that they've got in the minors, and you get those guys going again, those are guys that may help you in the next, you know, few months. So 
Uh, I'm not worried. As like I said, I looked at the calendar yesterday, and it's April 26, so I'm not too worried. So. Baseball outside, are you going to be out and about a lot at the Burlington Bees games yeah. this summer? The uh, the new prospect league, right, for them? Yeah, and I'll be curious to see who they bring in, and, I, and I'll be curious to see how it goes. be curious to see the community reaction. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I mean, I've seen I've seen Northwoods League's games. I mean, it's good baseball. It's a lot of fun, and and you know, it's like you've got a lot of college kids that are that, that get an opportunity to see what minor league baseball would be like if that's the route they want to go. And so, I, I think it'll be fu- kind of fun to see. I, I just want to see how the community reacts now that it's not a, a professional team, not a Class A team. But um, I'm I'm just looking forward to being at a ballpark again and, and seeing some baseball and. I mean, I saw three high school games last year. It's not quite the same thing. So um, I'll just be glad to be in a press box and be in a, be in a minor league baseball stadium somewhere. So That will be good. Hey, John, as always, thank you so much for your time. And I yep. think we all got a little bit smarter talking to the Wise Owl today. You always do. Mm-hmm. So. Self-proclaimed anyway. Wise Owl. Self-proclaimed. Yeah, exactly. So. <laughs> be good, John. All right, take it easy. See you later. <laughs> That's John Bonacamp. You can find his work over at iowacollegehoops.com. Good stuff as always from John. When we come back on the other side, we change gears and we go to the NFL draft. A former scout with the Saints, with the Browns, Matt Manassarian will be my guest. I'll talk to Matt about scouting the quarterback position. I want to get his perspective on that. We've talked through and through and through these five quarterbacks at the top of most people list, but how do we always seemingly get it wrong? What's it take to hit on a quarterback scout? And get the right guy. We'll talk about that more. Matt Manasarian, he joins us next as we take you till noon. It's Miller and Condon, 1460 KXNO and 106.11 11th through the 13th for the boys. Hey, everyone. It's Trent Kuyper Jr. Well, okay. It's Trent Condon. But I want you to join me this Wednesday at Mistress Brewing in Ankeny for our KXNO Mock Draft presented by Graphite Construction Group. Participate in the draft live on air and you could win 500 bucks. Show up and hang out, get a free beer, win free beer. It's all happening this Wednesday afternoon beginning at 4 p.m. from KXNO and Graphite Construction KXNO. Trent Condon here with you. There's two kinds of rental property owners. The do-it-yourself guy and the renter's warehouse guy. You know DIY guy. He insists on handling everything himself, even if it makes him miserable. Renter's warehouse guys are a lot happier because they let my friends at renter's warehouse handle all their property management headaches. Like when a tenant clogs a crapper, DIY guy grabs a plunger, heads over, opens the lid, and nearly passes out. Renter's Warehouse guy, he lets Renter's Warehouse handle it. When tenants are late with rent, DIY guy interrupts his workday to call them, email them, text them, until he's wasted his entire day. While Renter's Warehouse guy lets Renter's Warehouse handle it. And when a tenant has an emergency at 3 in the morning, DIY guy has to roll out of bed and handle it himself. Because when you're a DIY landlord, your tenant's problems are always your problems. Renter's Warehouse guy, he sleeps. Sleep soundly through the night. When it comes to your property management, let Renner's Warehouse handle it. Get your free rental price analysis at Renner'sWarehouse.com today. That's Renner'sWarehouse.com today or call 515-528-44. Downtown Des Moines, where you're truly welcome. Sounds of the NFL. Welcome back. It's Miller and Condon. 
1360 KXNO and 106.3 FM. Glad to have you aboard with us as we take you up until noon. Trent Ryan and Solo here with you, taking you up until noon on a Tuesday. Well, the NFL Draft is upon us. Looking forward to tomorrow, we have a great event happening out at Mistress Brewing. It'll start at 4 o'clock. It is the KXNO Mock Draft presented by Graphite Construction Group. We'll be at Mistress Brewing, an opportunity for you to make a pick live on the air. One of the 32 picks in the first round as we'll be going through the KXNO Mock Draft. You have that opportunity, opportunity, some free beer from Mistress Brewing and... $500 cash, all brought to you by Graphite Construction Group. Looking forward to it again, 4 o'clock tomorrow during the Sports Fanatics is when we'll go from 4 until 6. going to be a great time. Russ and the whole crew with Graphite Construction Group. Stop on out tomorrow afternoon, again, starting at 4 o'clock at Mistress Brewing. Joined now by Matt Manassarian. He's the Vice President of Football and Research with Sports Information Solutions. You've heard him leading up to the draft here over all the last month, month and a half, and glad to give him board one more time before we kick things off on Thursday evening with the first round of the NFL Draft. Matt, I know a busy week for you. Thanks so much for your time today. Yeah, thanks for having me. Happy to be here. I want to start with the quarterbacks. It's a conversation that dominates our conversations throughout the months leading up to the NFL Draft. And one of the things that continues to creep in my mind, honestly, outside of Trevor Lawrence and maybe Justin Fields, I'm just not enamored with this quarterback class. And it happens a lot. It happens in years where there aren't five prospects that are out there right now like there are this season will look like they're going to be taken. There's years where Jim Drunkenmiller is going to get selected at the end of the first mm-hmm. round. People, you just make these stretch. You were a scout. And scouting in general in football is incredibly difficult. But it feels like, just to me, that scouting quarterbacks is even more difficult. What makes this such a difficult exercise for NFL teams? Wow. Yeah, I think that the draft in general, and especially the quarterback position, is obviously the most important position. Um, you'd think that you would know everything about these guys, but at the end of the day, you're dealing with 20-year-olds, 22-year-olds maybe, and uh, until you've seen somebody perform in, in the NFL conditions, it's, it's a very hard thing to project how they're going to uh, fare, right? It's one thing for us to evaluate and say, this is how good this quarterback is. I think you can get a pretty good handle on how good these quarterbacks have been in college. Um, and when you watch their college performance, you know, I, I struggle to find anybody that would say that, that Trevor Lawrence and Justin Fields uh, weren't performing at the highest level, despite statistically what you might see from a Trey Lance or a Mac Jones. Um, but then projecting to what that's going to be in the NFL is a whole different story. And sometimes you see things that just – uh, don't look the way you expected them to. I think Justin Herbert's a great example of that. Mm-hmm. I think there were a lot of things to be excited about when he was coming out, just like uh, with the Trey Lance, uh, in terms of the the body composition, the arm strength, uh, the ability to make all the throws, and the athleticism to go along with it, too. So you kind of start looking at traits, and, and that's a really good place to start. But in, in terms of understanding that Justin Herbert was going to come into the NFL and actually process better on the NFL level than he ever on the college level, it's very hard to, to predict that that sort of thing is going to happen. And at, at some point, you just have to see how they're going to perform with live bullets flying. So um, I wish I could say that that uh, there's a much better science than, than you realize to this. But I think the fact of the matter is that uh, teams are good at what they do, but this is a very hard thing to predict. And I think there's room to get better at it. Uh, but teams are going to need to start being more rigorous about the way that they approach these things because uh, the draft is just such a biased trap right now. And you see how as the months go on, all you know, the season ends, Justin Fields is the player that you and I saw on the field, 
And somehow, whether it's a bias trap or something else, months later, now all of a sudden uh, it seems like he was dropping. Now it seems like he might be up in the, in the running for number three again. I don't know how the players move up and down so much without playing any games. So, so clearly the decision-making process is flawed somewhat on the, on the team side of things, too. It's wild. It really is. I want to go to Mac Jones. And for the longest time, it felt like back after the season, February, March, there was a lot of mocks that had Mac Jones going to the team I root for, the Bears at 20. And now we've seen this onslaught and now the possibility of going three. When you look at Mac Jones, how you scout him as a prospect, knowing the kind of guys that he's playing with at Alabama? Yeah, that, that's the key thing. So when we look at him from a numbers perspective, his numbers that he put up in, the, in this past season, which is really his only season, you know, full season as a starter, um, they were outrageous. Now, we got to take 2020 with a grain of salt. Um, I think uh, same thing, really, uh, when you look at Zach Wilson, you got to take it with a little bit of a, a grain of salt. But we had it with a 99 uh, passing rating this year. So, uh, it, you know, basically a perfect score. He had numbers that were comparable to everybody. You know, only Joe Burrow uh, a year ago was really ahead of him in a lot of our metrics. Um, the completion percentage over expectation, the accuracy, putting it together against pressure, no pressure, however you slice it. Um, but then you look at the athletic traits. I went, you know, we talked about the traits a minute ago, and he's got the accuracy that you look for on the NFL level, both, both short and deep accuracy. Um, I, I really think that um, he's got the ability uh, to, to put the ball where he wants it to go, which is the most important physical tool that a quarterback has. But outside of that, uh, you see a guy that, that's, not uh, very athletic, uh, doesn't have a great body frame, uh, doesn't have a high-end arm strength. He has enough arm strength to make, make throws that you look for, but not somebody that's really stretching the field with his arm strength the way these other four quarterbacks that we're talking about this, this year are. So you just look at the physical limitations when it comes to him, and, and kind of um, it's, a, it's a really tricky thing because uh, a year ago nobody thought that he was going to be in the conversation to be – uh, day one or even really a day two pick. Uh, he played out of his mind, and you've got to give credit for what, what you saw on the film. But as you mentioned, it goes back to, to who he's playing with in terms of his teammates. And in 2020 especially, I think that defenses just weren't what they were in a normal year because most teams never really had the opportunity to get on a, on a steady practice schedule where they could really build up the defense the way that you would with a full offseason and install and that sort of thing. So it's very so you've got to take the, the great performance this year with a grain of salt. For me, I wouldn't be surprised if he slips past three, right? If, if it's a smokescreen and Kyle Shanahan isn't as interested in him as everybody seems to think, then I think it could be a, a real slip for Mac Jones. I think that something like you talked about with him going you know, around 20, mm-hmm. to me that would, have been, that would have felt high for him uh, before the, this trade happened. Uh, I think that you're onto something when you say, you know, even though everybody thinks there are five quarterbacks this year, we've seen five first-round quarterbacks get drafted before, and not once have we seen all five of those quarterbacks pan out. Uh, I don't think we've even seen four mm-hmm. of them pan out. Maybe three if you go back to 1983 or, or was it 1999. Um, but that, that's about as best as you do. So um, I have my skepticism about Mac Jones. I do think he's pro-ready and that, that he'll come out and he's, he's kind of a, a ready-made He'll perform like he did last year, but I have questions about if he's got the traits that will allow that performance to, to produce that level the way he does with these other guys. Talking with Matt Manassarian as we take a look at the upcoming NFL draft here on Miller & Condon, 1460 KXNO. I, I want to jump to offensive line. It's such an important position. I, I, I just I love watching these prospects develop. 
is a guy a tackle? Does he have to play interior? On and on and on. I think offensive line, I wish I was better at scouting it and understanding it, but I do enjoy it a whole lot. I want to go to Northwestern's Slater. Rashawn Slater, who opted out this year, an immense talent, but not a whole lot of tape to him. I know he's talented. I know the talent is certainly there. When you look at him as opposed to, you know, a Panay Sewell or even that next tier of offensive linemen, your thoughts overall on this class? Yeah, well, we missed out on, on this year of Rashawn Slater, but we actually did have three years of good film on him. He's played and started in 37 games over his first three years at Northwestern. And what you saw over the course of that time was, was a guy who came in as a true freshman and struggled a little bit straight away, but really got better. Uh, in 2018 and 2019 in terms of not committing penalties, not committing blown blocks. Uh, and what you get from Rashawn Slater isn't the Panay Sewell, just a high-level athlete where you've got kind of the, the Jonathan Ogden upside, but you have more of a player where you feel really strong about him coming in, especially at right tackle. I think right away he comes in and he performs with body control, with intelligence, with, with good ability to sustain blocks and work to the second level. Um, I think you could also see him sitting on the inside. I think it wouldn't be a horrible fit if he slid inside to be a, a, a guard. Um, and he's played left tackle at, at times for Northwestern as well. So there, there is um, some flexibility to play different positions. The arm length is a little bit not what you desire to be, you know, one of your bookends. On the inside, maybe he's not um, quite as uh, a, a mauler as, as you might want from an elite guard prospect. But I think really wherever he plays on the offensive line, you're just getting a good offensive lineman. I love slotting him in at right tackle right away. And I think that you'll see when, when, you, when, you, when he gets back on the field, a guy who's really a technician in the way he plays. Good hands, good feet, uh, plays with football intelligence, uh, can play in both the run and the pass game at a high level. I, I, I love him as a player this year. Outside of some of the elite guys, I think he's, he's a strong pick to, to go there in, the, in probably the early teams. All right, let's uh, have you make your call here, Matt. Who's a guy that is going to go later than you believe he should, that you have ranked a whole lot higher than it feels like, maybe some of the mocks out there or some of the things that you're hearing inside the league? And who's going to be the bust? Who's the guy that you just you can't see it right now? Yep, a uh, guy that I love that's going to go underdrafted is Dylan Moses, linebacker from Alabama. He's a guy who was uh, a centerpiece of their defense for years and was injured in 2019. He missed the season with an ATL, came back in 2020. Nick Saban was a little bit critical of his performance, and I don't think he was quite um, you know, back to his athletic ability that he showed before his injury. But I think now we're going to be two years removed from it. We're going to be past the, the 2020, just the weirdness that was this year. And I think when, when you flip on the film and you look at him, he's a linebacker that's going to make a defense faster. Whatever defense adds him, um, a little bit like Devin Bush coming out of Michigan a couple of years ago, your defense is just going to become faster across the board by having somebody, an off-ball linebacker, that can play either the mic or the will position, uh, that can run sideline to sideline, that can cover, um, that can even slide out oftentimes, cover running backs and tight ends, um, and he's got uh, good size to go along with it. So he's a player I look, uh, look forward to seeing him get back to his kind of original form, and I think he's got crazy upside. Um, you know, He'll be there on day two. Um, and I think somebody's going to make a good pick whenever they get him. Uh, right, right along, I'll stay at the same position. The guy that I think is going to get overdrafted is Micah Parsons, uh, the linebacker. He's a guy, physical upside. I mean, this guy can run 4-4 at his size, and he's got real pass rush ability from the linebacker position, so he can slide down on third down. 
um, and and uh, the other Devin, Devin White in Tampa Bay, if you imagine the way that they use him with him coming off the edge on third down or blitzing on the interior on third down a lot of the times, he's going to really elevate the pass rush game. But when I draft somebody to play an off-ball linebacker, I need somebody that can cover. I need somebody that can play in, in both phases. And he hasn't shown it for me, the ability to cover. Um, and that makes me concerned about what we can really do with this player. I, I think there's a lot of athletic ability. He's one of the best pass rushers in the draft at any position, so there's certainly value there. But when you talk about Micah Parsons being a guy that, that's going to go, um, you know, probably, again, early teams in that area, um, I, I could wait on a player like that um, unless I'm, I'm really needy for his skill set for whatever reason. I think there's a chance that he's a, a boom and that he actually, he's a, you know, not to get out the park in terms of what he is as a prospect. But I think there's a little bit of bust potential there, too, just because I haven't seen – the demonstrated ability to understand coverage responsibilities and, and, and to be really uh, trustworthy in, in that regard. One more on the local front. I know we've talked a lot about the Hawkeye prospects in the past. We've talked about Davion Nixon and Chauncey Golston, a few of the others. Talked about Kene Nwangu and what he did with that 40 time that he ran from Iowa State. How about up at UNI, Northern Iowa, Spencer Brown, a behemoth at six foot eight. 311 pounds, a kid that was playing eight-player football in high school. Uh, Fill us in a little bit. I've seen a wide range of projections anywhere from the second round for the offensive tackle all the way through the fifth. Your thoughts on him as you scouted the UNI Panthers, Spencer Brown? I mean, you're talking about just an absolute giant. So he's a verified six-foot-eight-and-a-half, 314 pounds, Uh, and what you get when, when you throw on the film is kind of what you'd expect to see there, just a guy with the ability to just finish people uh, to maul, really good in the run game. Uh, no, no question about his ability to stand out on the film, right? When you watch these FCS players, these smaller school guys, you want to see guys that just stand out completely against all of their competition. Um, and for a guy that, that um, is as big as he is, this is not a bad athlete. Um, you'd like to see a little bit more what we call reactive athleticism to be able to, to – count on what you're, what he's going to do on the offensive line on the NFL level. And what I mean by that is the ability to react to the defensive players in their pass rush who are really, you know, like when you're a defensive back covering a wide receiver, you're on the defensive. When you're playing an offensive tackle, you're a little bit on the defensive too in terms of dealing with these athletes rushing at you. So we need to see a little bit more reactive athleticism, a little bit better footwork in that sort of area. And hopefully as he sees some higher quality pass rushers, He'll stop being able to just rely on his, you know, 500-pound bench press or, or whatever uh, it is with him and uh, be somebody that, that, that can develop into that frame he has. I don't see him as a day-two pick. I would wait on day three to bring him in. I think he's probably uh, a backup um, just because I, I have questions about that um, athleticism that we were talking about. Mm-hmm. But if he, anytime you get a guy with this six-foot-eight uh, and, you know, the wingspan that he has, the frame – and the, the strength that he plays with, um, there's there's certainly upside there. So he's going to be a project for somebody to bring in, um, maybe develop on the practice squad. Maybe it's that that uh, you you kind of stash him on the roster and, and bring him along. But um, I see him as probably a backup at the end of the day, but certainly an interesting project on the third day. Matt, enjoyed our conversation so much here throughout the year. Been great leading up to the draft. Best of uh, luck to you. I know a busy week for you, and thank you for carving out some time for us here in Des Moines. Yeah, thank you for having me. Everybody check out the SIS Football Rookie Handbook. It's on Amazon. You can find it there. Great stuff as always. Thank you, Matt. Thank you.
Matt Manasarian joining us here. Sports Info Solutions. Follow him on Twitter at Matt Mano. Oh, is where you can find him. Great stuff as always from Matt Manasarian, our NFL draft guru leading up to the draft. Quick timeout. We'll come back. Put a cap on things on the other side. Got some picks for you. Yesterday went one and one in baseball. We'll do better today. We'll do that when we come back. It's Miller and Condon, 1460 KXNO. To sell your home. High fly ball, deep right field. What an at bat for Freeman. Tommy, there's only one thing better than three for three with a homer. That's four for four with two homers. Ready for even last night as the Bravos move past the Cubs 8-7 the final in that one. That sound means it's time for another $1,000 home run. Enter the keyword at KXNO.com. It's joy. J-O-Y. Joy. KXNO.com. Your chance to win $1,000 from page. KXNO.com. Put in joy. Final moments of the program here on a Tuesday. Thanks for hanging out with me the final hour. Ken will be back with us. Tomorrow, I got three plays for you. We're going to start with the Kansas City Royals. First five. I'm going to jump aboard that. Basically, even money, I got a minus 104 in that one. Continue to fade the Twins. Kenta Maeda was awful his last time out. So I will take Savali and the Indians. And I got an NBA play for you this evening. That's right, we jumped to the NBA. Give me the Pacers, plus five and a half at home against Portland. Three plays this week for tonight. NBA, couple of baseball, Royals first five, the Indians, and the Pacers. That'll do it. Murph and Andy come your way at 1 o'clock. The Fanatics at 3. Don't forget tomorrow, Mistress Brewing, the KXNO Mock Draft at 4 o'clock. Thanks for joining us.